G'day everyone, welcome back to the Extras. My name is Jack. And I'm Raj everyone, thank you for tuning in. Good to have you back. This is our, our first podcast of the year, Raj, so it's, it's, it's wonderful to be getting back into this and it's been a while, so can you just check in for all the listeners out there? How are you doing? How, how are things with you as we get into February, get into Vision Month? It's been yeah. an exciting time at St Paul's. Look, it's been an exciting time. Um, I, I do feel, I think for all of us, uh, having normal wind down routines over Christmas, New Year, January have just, it hasn't been the same with COVID kind of issues. And that's certainly the same for me too. Um, um, and look, God willing, here we are, you know, we're now in February and we pray, we hope, we all in the same category, we want to go on the other side of things and we'll just see how we go now if school's going back. But we did get to a point of just thinking, you know, Vision Month, I want to do it term four. Mm. And really, it's it's the culmination of so much talk and discussion that's been going on in the last year or so. Yeah. Um, and worth saying, not just for last year or so, but before then as well, before I came, some of the same issues you and others were talking about, Jack. And, mm. um, but really just exciting now to have, you know, the next chapter, to have new staff um, involved and around, and it's just exciting. And, um, and, and also just worth saying, it is going to take us a little while to work things out. Yeah. You know, every day almost, you know, for me, there's questions arise, and I think, oh, yep, yeah, I don't know, we have to work this out. Yeah. But that's also exciting to, to just, you know, try to pioneer that in our context. Um, and I just look forward. I, I had the privilege the other day of running Startup, met, you know, a few people joining our church and just... Fantastic. One of whom's just only recently come to know the Lord. Oh, that's and, exciting, hey? Um, you know, through what's happening at St. Paul's. So, so much going on and just looking forward to um, the year ahead, but also the rest of what we're calling Vision Month. I know it's six weeks, but... <laughs> um, Anyway, yeah, it was a great start on Sunday. And for those who may need a reminder who weren't there, could you tell us just very briefly in summary what we were looking at in the Bible and as you brought that to us from the Word too? Yeah, thanks, Jack. And just worth saying, I I personally was preaching um, um, at the Carlingford English congregations and Rod Earnshaw was preaching at North Rocks. But we both were talking about Matthew 28. And and really, uh, and I've had a few comments actually, the, the, the Great Commission, and I... I put up a quote there found on the survey that most American going Christians did not know what that term means. Yeah, I was stunned um, by that, but yeah, yeah and, it's striking. And I just I actually just think it's helpful for us to realise. I even had people, you know, share with me they were talking to someone else at St Paul's who didn't know what it meant. So mm. um, I we just we just need to so that it was a great commission passage. I might just read it, Jackie, if that's okay. It's only Absolutely. A couple of verses. Yeah. Um, end of Matthew's Gospel, last two verses, Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For me, that's just, and I suspect for you and many others as well, it's just such a striking way for Matthew's Gospel to end mm. that we see on the eve of Jesus' ascension, this is what he says. Now is not the time to rest. Now is not the time to take it easy. There is a job to do, um, and he's he's pointing us to um, the the eternal age. Yeah. And and try and get us to live for that, not for this world. Yeah, fan. Yeah, really appreciate you getting us into this. This is a crucial passage in my life and for many. And and I hope after Sunday, the the percentage of people at St Paul's who know what the Great Commission means has gone up. I'm sure it has. 
and perhaps even more after we get into this podcast. We have a lot of good questions coming on Sunday about this passage and some of the implications. So we're going to get into that. Firstly, I mean, the first thing that came on the text line, this is, I guess, more of a comment, but I thought it'd be worth reading this one out. Someone texted in, Raj, mate, are we now finally your friends rather than new friends? Huge news. <laughs> care to, care to, you know, take that as a comment? Would you care to comment um, at all? I, yes, <laughs> mate, thank you for tuning in and... and... <laughs> Friends it is. Let's go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, friends, as you listen in, let's get into some of our questions here. Someone's texted Matthew 28 verse 16 to the start of this Great Commission section. Uh, emphasizes, well, says that Jesus is speaking to the 11 disciples. So why is it that we can apply that more generally to us? If Jesus was just speaking to his apostles, is this really for all Christians? Yeah, thank you, um, Jack, and for whoever sent in a question as well. So, love the insight. Yes, it is talking to his disciples. You always need to look at who says what to whom in what kind of context, and that's going to become important again this week coming up. Uh, in this particular case, we, as Jesus says that, we then come to verse 20, um, where part of what he says to his disciples is teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Mm. And, and so, you know, Jesus wants wants that teaching and actions and mindset and heart to shape his disciples, that they're the 11, absolutely, um, as a means then for shaping everyone else, including us, in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, helpful. Um, another thing that I've heard said about this, and I think it's quite helpful, when you're reading the Gospels, I think it's really key to think about the type of literature this is. Uh, I don't think it's just the case that Matthew is just reporting what Jesus did and where he went just to kind of tell you what happened, like the facts. Uh, Matthew is writing this to tell Christian disciples who he's writing for what Jesus calls his disciples to do. Like, I think the, the phrase has been used, uh, it, it's, a, it's a manual of discipleship. I think that's what Matthew's gospel is. Yeah. So when Jesus is telling the disciples and Matthew's telling us what he said, you know, there's a huge kind of Matthew nudging us in the ribs, like saying, this is what disciples yeah. do. So you need to hear yeah. that too. Yeah. And, and interesting, sorry, if I could just pick up on that again, the mm. word disciples means learners. Yeah. And, and we can just take that as a special kind of Christian thing, but the concept of being a learner mm. is something that was certainly applicable to them and also is applicable to us. Yeah. And and it's the ongoing journey of learning that, that I don't think is restricted just in an informational kind of sense, mm. but here it's not certainly not. It's, you know, there's, there's action that results. Yeah, it's a way of life. Yeah, yeah. a way of life. Helpful. All right, another question, Another this is another excellent question about these verses. Someone's asked, is the Great Commission telling us to make disciples individually, as in me by myself, or as a group team discipling effort? Yeah, thank you um, uh, again for this question. I, I made a passing comment here in the sermon, I think, and that is I, I think it's both. Mm. You know, and I actually think we need to be quite careful. I think the pendulum can swing too far in either direction. Um, so when Jesus is saying this to be 11 disciples, um, is he talking to them collectively as a group or as individuals? Both and. Yeah. Surely. Mm. And that's certainly what we see then developing acts. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and individually it was their heart. It was, you know, and I shared some of the martyrdom kind of examples for each of them or mm. for some of them. But also collectively they work together. Yeah. And we're going to actually see that. We're going to come to Act 6 in a few weeks' time. We will, yeah. And and we're going to see just the efforts they went through to work together. Um, 
And I think also that brings into it a just a doctrine of gifts. We see 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ working together. He has gifted us to be different. Um, but I also don't want to go too far up that end of the spectrum to the neglect of the other one mm. because I it's, surely it's a both end. Yeah, I mean, yeah. can we drill into it a little bit further? Like, What do you think it looks like on those different levels for us as individuals and for us as groups? Yeah, what is... You know, what does making disciples look like? Yeah, thank you. I so the starting point I think of it in terms of, and I used this phrase on Sunday, I think, is having a passion for the lost. Mm. I think that's something we should all have. Yeah, you know, and and in some ways, I just I'd love someone to help me understand if it's even possible not to have a passion for the lost if you've come to know Christ and experienced His love and forgiveness and hope. Um, Yeah, I think it's something that that we should all have. Um, now, then, I think, you know, at the individual sense, in the ideal world, I want, I would love every, I mean, 1 Peter 3.15 talks about it, doesn't always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Have we got the reference right? 1 Peter 3.15? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yep. Um, and now, you know, that in a sense is a passive kind of thing, I get that, uh, but, but everyone should be prepared. Mm. Uh, and and so I just put those things together, that passion for the lost, being prepared when there's an opportunity as an individual. Um, now, I totally understand that that's the ideal. And yeah. I, I think as a church, we want to keep encouraging people, you know, what are the barriers to getting there, mm. you know, and trying to help people with that. Um, and so at the same time, and people hear me talk about this from time to time, and others, I'm sure. I, one way to break it down is, what is the next step? Where are you up to in that, in the individual realm? Mm. What is what is the next step for you? And, and you know, is it Christmas, Easter kind of thing? You know, meals just with family. Can we say grace? That, that might be a next step on that journey. Yeah. Um, or it might be, okay, that's okay. A next step in it might be inviting someone to church. Mm. You know, I totally understand the, the confidence and what's at stake, and I just want to keep encouraging people. You know, what's what's the next sort of step for someone else? The next step might be. You know, Tim, I've known you for ten years, and friend, mate, we're no longer <laughs> new friends. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> that was yeah. nine years ago. Um, you know, I love hanging out with you. Can I share with you what's the most important thing in my life? Mm. And working out how to go from there. Yeah. Or my church is having a course introducing God or something. And and would would you... We know we've known each other 10 years. I'd love to share with you the most important thing in my life. Mm. My church is operating a, a thing for a couple of weeks. Could I take you along? Yeah. So ideal barriers. Ne- so that's the individual kind of realm. Mm. The collective realm, I think, um, well, Summerfest for me was an example of where yes. we intended that. Yeah, that's right. You know, and it's just a whole variety of people working together in all kinds of different ways using the gifts God's given. And there are, sure, there are some people there leading and teaching kids and there are other mm. people working behind the scenes and um, yeah, I also think 
Look, church achieves lots of things, but, but the person operating in a membership team at church on Sunday is, you know, part of that. Yeah. The person sticking up their hand to say, if someone wants to read the Bible, I'll read the, That's, you know. Absolutely, so yeah. Individual, collective. Yeah. I think it's really key for us as we go about serving at church to understand how what we do connects to that. Like if, you know, if you're serving on a morning tea team and you think that, what I do is I just rock up and I make tea and coffee for people and that's it. And that's great. I mean, a, you know, good thing to do, but that's not just a, an end in itself. Like we, you know, we serve morning tea because we want to create this welcoming atmosphere where people want to come and hang around church longer and have the chance to have a conversation. And for someone who comes in and doesn't know Jesus, that may be the point where they get to hear the gospel and uh, take a next step. So, yeah, the hope is that everything we do in church links in some way to that great vision that we're all keen to be a part of and understanding how what you're doing connects to that I think is a, like yeah. a profoundly motivating thing yeah. like that that's the reason yeah. to get out of bed and get to church on time you know that kind of thing yeah yeah lots there that's really helpful Raj thank you we'll keep going uh, yeah more questions so many good questions here I'm really keen to get through them all um, so someone's texted in uh, involved in making disciples is the going Raj you said we don't make disciples by being stuck in our everyday routine and this person's asking, can the definition or practicalities of going be expanded to a mindset change? So, for example, uh, can you be seeking to make disciples even in our non-full-time ministry jobs? Long question there. Maybe if I can try and summarize it. I think that, that line you gave, you know, we don't make disciples being stuck in your everyday routine. Clarify for us what you mean by that. And um, even in, a, in, my, in, in my everyday routine, are there ways I can make disciples to yeah. expand it out a bit? Yeah, Yeah. no, thank you. I, I really appreciate this um opportunity just to expand it a bit and I think what's coming through in the question is exactly the type of thing I had in mind mm. um, for some for some of us all we need is a mindset change and think you know so so working in a job going to the gym on the sporting sideline on a Saturday or in a sporting team or the craft club or book club or whatever mm. um, um how does having a great commission conscience impact how we view those opportunities? Yeah. And maybe I've even said something there. That is an opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I think the Lord through all of those things gives us incredible opportunities to share the gospel. Mm. You know, my kids, are particularly in the cricket, as I've shared, and I try on the sideline to, you know, make make no um, it's well known that I'm a pastor and yeah you know and, and often that leads to conversations yeah yeah and I try to and in a sense that is just part of your weekly routine it's part of my weekly routine but you're on the I'm field anyway so there's there. a mission field yeah so the mindset does impact mm. so so what but but sometimes also we need to um, change our routine mm. so the routine can be you work nine to five and you do your job and you com- you compartmentalise that and then you, you know, do another activity over here in a cooking club or a dance class or something mm. and that's over here and, you know, church is in a different kind of compartment and um, so we need to mix that up a bit yeah. or create the opportunities or um, not just go through the mechanics of the roundabout each, you know, kind of week. So it might just be a mindset change, but also I just, you know, for some of us, 
or for all of us, it might be more than that too. Yeah. You know, rather than dropping the kid off to play cricket all the day Saturday and going and to the beach, mm. spending time on the sidelines so that you connect and not just first time. Let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Let me invite you to church. But it does take. We all know the reality. It takes time to develop relationships, and trust, and. Mm. Yeah. 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 Helpful. Yeah. I, I mean, as you as you preached, and, and I mean that line in your sermon really kind of jolted me as well quite helpfully i i hope one of the things that we all take away from it is at the very least you don't want to leave your daily routine unexamined i think yeah like if if we just come out of this time and we've heard again the great commission and the summons to you know this mission to the end of the age that we're all part of and if you don't at least stop and think about your daily routine i think that's a missed opportunity and it may be that what you do in your work or home life or community life whatever it is is exactly where god wants you to be and it is you know the call to take that seriously and see the opportunities in there but it may be more than that as you've said it may be a change of routine is needed so i think we at least all got to stop and ask the question yeah yeah and and there's another question here which i think connects to some of this jack yeah let's come into that uh so someone else has texted in john and peter talk about being set apart from the world and living as strangers from it is there a danger of Christians living too apart from the world so they can't relate or help to people when they're at their lowest? And I want to say absolutely. Mm. You know, and so reading that, now, I don't want to, you need to be careful here because monks historically have had a view um, and an approach which I think comes from a brilliant place of wanting to exclude themselves from the world so as to prevent unhelpful worldly influences. Mm. there's something delightful and commendable about that. Um, but at the same time, I just... A great Commission conscience. Yeah. I, I, the Lord is in other places. Um, I think, again, to Peter 3, that you know God is wants the full number of people to be saved. Um, God's agents in the world to help people know Jesus are His people. Mm. And... and you know, so there does involve a there is a balancing here and longing for the world to come. Yeah. 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 On this question, the thing that really jumps to my mind is Jesus' words in John seventeen, when he's praying for his disciples. So John seventeen verse uh, looking at verse eleven, Jesus is talking to God and he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. And then later on, so verse 16, he's talking about the disciples. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Um, 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Lots of ways Jesus talks about that, but I think what he's saying is he's praying for his disciples. They are in the world. They're in the midst of it. And he doesn't ask God to eject them straight out of it. He asks God to protect them from the work of the evil one. So I think we're meant to be very much in the world and yet not of the world and, and praying that we wouldn't be following the evil one and listening to his work, seeking to drag us back down to the world and to its levels. But yeah, we've got to be in there in the midst of people with people who are at their lowest. I think it's absolutely right, yeah. Jack, do you have tips on how to work out that balance? Um, I, yeah, I think there's a huge amount of wisdom required. Um where you're up to in your own Christian journey, I think, is an important consideration. So I think it's is it Proverbs that says, bad company corrupts good character. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that we need to keep in mind as well. If you are 
um, a brand new Christian and the, the group of people who you know and love and have always hanged out with, um, if you find that being present with those who are still very much of the world um, causes you to sin and, you know, puts temptations before you that are very much still sins you're wrestling with, there, there can be wisdom at times, I think, in, um, at least for a time, removing yourself from those contexts where you are led astray. I think that's, you know, we've got to take sin seriously. That's really important. But I think the hope is that as we grow in godliness and as the Spirit transforms us so that we're able to, to fight sin and to, to live as, as to live God's way, then um, getting back out into the world. And yeah, if we can grow to the point where we're able to be present with people who are struggling with sin in great ways and not be dragged that into that ourselves so that we can minister to them in that and, and show the love of Jesus to them, I think that's really... Kate, yeah. yeah. Would you want to add anything there? No, that, that's great. Um, just popped into my head as you were saying that different. it's going to work out differently, but that's what you're saying, for different mm. people, depending on the temptations, the yeah. you know, whole bunch of things. There's always going to be... Yeah, there's going to be lines you have to draw. Like, you know, I mean, this is, you know, absurd, extreme example, but, like, I don't think we're called to, you know go to, you know, Paul says, you know, be all things to all men. Like, I don't think he has in mind, you know, if your friends are those who frequent strip clubs, you know, go and join them so that you can be a part of making disciples with them there. Like, that that to me seems like it'd be an extremely unwise place for a Christian to be. And I think at times we've got to draw lines and say to the people we care about, actually, I I love you and I care about you, but I, I don't want to partake of the things that you're partaking in because I want to follow Jesus. And at times, I think when we draw those lines, that actually is going to help people see, oh, you, you take this yeah. thing really seriously. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the start of a conversation. It is. Great. Yeah. More often, more often by putting the line in place, mm. it leads to... Anyway, yeah. let's keep going. That's right. All right, another one. Uh, the apostles appear to be so captured by the vision of the gospel that they did not even fear persecution and death itself. So is it unchristian of us to still fear the rejection of non-Christians when sharing the gospel? How can we overcome these fears? What's the difference between good and bad uncomfortableness in church? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. As you were reading that question, Jack, I I just thought of Peter mm. denying Jesus. Yeah. And he did that. You know, here is, here is one of Jesus' not just chosen 12, but mm. executive. Yeah. You know, in this world, and I think many of us would just just think, what a privilege that you know there he was, and he denied Jesus. Yeah. Because of his fear of what people thought. Mm. Exactly the same thing, and I think the journey that he and the other apostles went on was um, to come to a point of understanding and profound conviction that the most important thing in the world to do was to share Jesus. Yeah. And, and I think we see their struggle in that journey, you know, on a number of occasions. Mm. They were wrestling with what that means. We see in Acts, in all kinds of places, we just see it wasn't an easy journey. And yet they just consistently put themselves out there. I think there is a tremendous model in that. Um, um, they did, you know, Stephen comes to mind in Acts mm. 7, who... It wasn't even his job to... He was a deacon. Yeah. He was there to wait on tables. And yet, next chapter, preaches the gospel, gets stoned to death. Mm. And I'm not saying we should do that in the same way, but 
you know, not suggesting we get dragged around in the streets of Carlingford and North Rocks and behind horses or anything like that. Mm. But there is an attitude and mindset about what's important. And I also do just want to encourage people. I, I find and have consistently found in the last several years, we are more afraid of, the, of being rejected than often turns out to be the reality of. Yeah. And the number of stories around the place um, of, of people just saying something, you know, words that just salt in the world, you know, to pick up on Jesus' image, um, that can have a profound impact. And if very rarely um, do people get rejected from their friendship with people. Happens sometimes. It does, yeah. It does happen sometimes. Mm. And, and certainly, you know, part of belonging to Jesus is being prepared to have him as number one. But I think we over, we're more fearful of that possibility mm. than is born out in reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how can we overcome these fears? My, my, in fact, similar to what I said a moment ago about something else, you know, what is just the next thing you can do? Mm. You know, relation with people to let them. There's a there's a step. So it might not be if someone doesn't even know that you're a Christian or go to church. To the 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 next step might not be to yeah go through two ways to live. That would be a wonderful thing to do, by the way. But mm. the next step in the terms of overcoming fears, let them know you're Christian. Yeah. You know, when when you're talking about what was your past week like, drop in. I heard a wonderful sermon at church by this guy who was tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 just gradually, you know, what did you do last night? I had a great time at growth group. My growth group. What are you looking forward to for the year? Well, my growth group starting next week. And mm-hmm. usually you then get, not always, but usually that opens up for conversation. Yeah. And you, went, I find most of the time you end up in a. And I I I find this both talking with people with very experience. But I also find this in my conversations with people yeah. you know, on the cricket sideline or the cricket carnival or many other places. Um, in fact, just the other day, uh, you know, picked up one of my kids from playing cricket. There was another dad there. He's not a Christian. And, you know, he wound down the car. He knows no, he wound down the car. Went, Raj, how are you going? Hmm. How's the new church going? There you go. Yeah. You know, he wants to talk to me about it. Mm. And I, I think we assume people don't want to yeah yeah i i wonder if this is just a kind of thought bubble but i think i've seen little indications here and there that we're almost come to the point where you know we've been through the last 50 years of our culture you know being a christian was just the norm to being a christian was you know considered you know foolish at best to being a christian is you know you're dangerous your ideas are evil and I think we're starting to come out the other side of that. And now just being a Christian is just so strange to most people. They just don't even know what it means. And it's interesting. And for some people, they just have no idea what it is you believe in what you do. And there's, you know, the chance to sort of start fresh with some people, I think. Yeah. Um, not everyone, but I think particularly some of the younger generation, they just, they just don't know. So don't assume that they have all this baggage against uh, what we believe because they just might be a blank slate just keen to hear. And, and particularly, I think, on, you know, I was going to say this side of COVID, but Maybe that's premature. Um, <laughs> but the, the stats which we've shared, you know, 
47% of people searching for meaning. Mm. And, and there's just another opportunity. How are you going with COVID? Yeah. You ask them. They're going to ask you. Um, having the support of my church community at that time was was wonderful. Mm. Or be real about it. If it wasn't wonderful, say that. And, and yeah, as well. for sure. But, but yeah, I, I, I also think we can very easily be persuaded by what we read in the media. Yeah. But I'm not at all convinced what we read in the media is, is representative of most people. Yeah, I think that's very important for us to remember too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Let's, let's keep going. Uh, to finish up, we've got two questions that really, I guess, thinking about a couple of aspects for us as a church, cultivating this great commission conscience, some areas where we can think about this collectively. Someone's asked, what is St. Paul's strategy to reach the Chinese community that comprise the largest people group in Carlingford? This person says, it seems to be left to the Chinese congregation. Now, how does the 5M strategy address this opportunity? Yeah, thank you. I, I love this question. And someone um, asked related questions on an email or connect card or something too. Um, and I just, I think this is a very astute observation, you know, and um, in fact, just in a few weeks at our upcoming staff conference, Jack, you may not be aware of this, but Danny, he's actually done a master's course in multicultural ministry. I had heard glimpses of that. Yeah, yeah. And, Exciting. and part of what he's written up is, um, you know, how, how can St. Paul's do better mm. in the multicultural space? And so Danny's producing a version for that for us to start chewing over. I'm really keen to hear it. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I don't even know what the details of that are, but it's a discussion starter mm. around exactly this question because Chinese churches in Mandarin, it's reaching a particular group. But um, also worth saying, afternoon church is heavily um, Australian-born Chinese. Yeah. You know, so there is, a, there is something going on there. Uh, lots of Chinese speak English. I think if you're around... Many of our congregations, there's lots of people with Chinese ancestry. Mm. They're also Indians, just I, I want to say. Yes, yeah. Um, but but I we we do need to do better mm. and, and be more deliberate. And we have an opportunity to, and so this is something very much on the agenda. Which I I think I want to just the five M strategy. You know, so so we now have more dedicated resources in each kind of category. It's someone. You know, he's championing this kind of cause, mm. um, um, and I, that's really going to help us. You know, keep, keep not just keep things on the agenda, but think carefully about what we do. Yeah, yeah. There's already some things which you and I and others are talking about um, in some of that space as well with some congregations. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are things happening. I think yeah, helpful to see it's yeah, it's left to the Chinese congregation. I think that's a narrow view of what we want to see and what's already going on. I think. Um, Wonderful that we have a Mandarin-speaking congregation for those who, that's their heart language, great. Um, but as you mentioned, there's plenty of other Chinese background people in our church and other congregations, and we've got a, a whole church to work together in that mission. But yeah, let's let's do better as well. I'm keen for that too. Let's wrap it up with this last one. Uh, someone's texted in um, a short essay, might be the way to describe it. I'll, I'll summarize this, this long question. Um, someone's thinking about our community. Uh, we invite people to church. That's right. They need to know Jesus. But sometimes people don't recognize that their need is Jesus, so they don't respond and don't want to come to church. Um, How can we think about how we might connect with our church community more actively, uh, 
you know, we, we can passively just sit around waiting for people to come through our doors, but how can we, what are some ways we might be able to reach out to the community more actively to those in our area? Um, thank you for this, well, essay you called it. Um, <laughs> quite that long, Jack, but, but it, I, I love it. Yeah. Because... Sorry, I didn't mean that pejoratively at all. It's, you know, um, a it, few paragraphs. It is just showing the, exactly the right question of what we need to think more about. And the Lord has given us all kinds of opportunities. What are they? How do they work? What are the resources we have to work together in pulling it off? Um, and so I just want to encourage the person who's put this in and others who have a heart for this area, that is, to help our church think more about how we engage people in this, to make yourself known. Um, almost all of our congregations have what we're calling mission drivers, mm. and we're looking to form mission teams in each congregation, and and we're going to talk more about that kind of thing in the weeks ahead, but, but I would love to see people with this heart and passion yeah. on those teams to help us work out what that looks like. Mm. Sounds yeah. great, yeah. I'm, I'm aware that there are some people in our church who are involved in these kinds of things, people who are uh, part of, you know, school P&C boards, people who are, um, you know, involved in exercise groups, walking groups, trying to bring people into the community and, you know, our ASL ministry, which happens on Tuesday mornings, like, yeah, there are, there are many people who are already keen to connect with our community at that level and there's so much more we can do and would love to see more get involved, so... If that's and something you're passionate about, let us know. Like we'll, we'll find a way to empower you and support you and then help get involved in something. You, you know, Jack, this, this goes on. One of the particular kind of ideas here is just people moving into our area. Mm. You know, we know from the 2016 census, 38% of Australians move every five years. Yeah. Um, that's astonishing, isn't it? When you think yeah. About it? yeah. You know, sometimes within the suburb, other times it's across, but there's mm. a high mobility. Yeah. And, and so one of the opportunities we have, if we had a group of people... It's not that hard to get this data to know when people move. Mm. And some churches try to do this. Every time, you know, they, they work out a house is sold, three months later they pop in with a gift. Yeah. From the church, welcome to the area. Here's some basic navigation things. Here's some Tim Tams. Here's mm. some, and here's an invitation to church. How good is that? You know, and so that, as you can imagine, that, that takes... Um, that's quite resource intensive. Mm. It is possible to do that. Um, there's one of a myriad of suggestions that, yeah. that we could put into practice if there were people with the time and the passion and ability to do so. That's right. And that's what we're hoping the, the mission drivers and mission teams will help to help us see. So looking forward to seeing what God does with all of that. Thank you for all those who text in your questions. It's been good to... Oh, some great questions here. It's been really good to dig into some of the nitty-gritty of this, this great commission conscience that we're all called to... Uh, partake of. Uh, as we look towards next week, Raj, uh, Sunday number two in Vision Month coming up, what have we got to look forward to? Yeah, so thank you. So week one, Great Commission Conscience. Week two, we're looking at the greatest commandments. And the diagram on the back of the vision book, we're seeing how those two things kind of, in a sense, combine the, from those emerge the five M's we're talking about. Um, and, and so we are drilling into that a little bit more and and you know, there's just, we are tempted to stray like the Pharisees were in the context of Matthew 21. Mm. We're tempted to stray to look to other things. And Jesus just very powerfully, he brings us back to the four things. Yeah. And so that's what we're looking at. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for us answering our questions. 
We're keen to come to the Word and come together at church again on Sunday. It's going to be exciting. We will see you there.